Good morning, everybody, and welcome again uh, here to First Baptist Church. One or two housekeeping items uh, before we actually start preaching. I just want to lay out for you the fall, what it's going to look like uh, on a Sunday morning. We're not changing service or anything like that, but like what we're preaching on and stuff like that. <laughs> I saw a couple faces do this. Is he changing it again? So this week and the next few two weeks, uh, we're going to finish up uh, it, the churches in Revelation. This is the fifth one. There's seven, so three total weeks, including this week. Then I will not be here on the 22nd. I was told by the diaconate, you have to take two Sundays off where you are not in the building in any way. So on the 22nd of September, I will not be here. Where will I be? Who knows? Florida. No, that's way too hot even now. Uh, but so, so I won't be here. Uh, we already have that planned. One of our, uh, a good friend, uh, his name is Jason Snyder. He's going to come. He helped us paint the hallways and stuff like that. He's going to come and preach. Maddie and Ken will still be doing uh, worship. So my guess is that Sunday's going to go way more smoothly than any Sunday. I'm usually here. I'll just be gone that day. He'll survive. I'll probably come home with a bunch of stuff, like, broken or something, but he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Maybe I'll go up. There's apparently a Golden Corral up in Syracuse. Maybe I'll just take a trip up there. <laughs> so that'll be then. And then after that, starting in October, I mentioned we've got some stuff planning. The best ideas for stuff we've done at this church, I just want to point this out, has come from you guys. The worship night, one of you guys asked me about that. And then I was asked to maybe a month ago, three weeks ago, hey, can we talk about how to study your Bible? And I went, yo, that's a great idea. So we're going to take three Sundays throughout October-ish, maybe into November a little bit because it's not every single week. And we're going to talk about how to study your Bible. The first week is going to be your typical sermon. But then those following two weeks are not. We're going to have a giant whiteboard in here and we're going to study a couple passages of scripture. So bring your Bibles because there'll be the dreaded audience participation and we're going to look at how do you study your Bible and then in the winter on Monday nights we're going to do a little bit more of in-depth stuff because you know like some stuff like I love I'm like hey let's look at the historical the language the this the, all of this context and my dad is like you can't do that with them. Nobody else likes that but you. And I was like well I'm hurt inside. So on the Monday nights in the, in the, in the wintertime, we're going to dive a little bit more in depth into how to study your Bible. Uh, so we're going to do some the preliminary, first level stuff, those Sundays, and then we'll dive deeper. So that's what's coming up. I hope you're excited about it. I am. I'm really looking forward to uh, teaching you guys and also reminding myself some stuff of how to study your, your Bible. Uh, so that's coming up. That's what the next uh, two months, three months or so uh, looks like on a Sunday morning. For this Sunday, though, we're in Sardis. We're going to read the passage, and then I promised you, I promised you maps. I put them in there this week. So we're going to take a little look at the surrounding area of that to give us a little bit of an idea. But first, let's read it. We're now in Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. It reads, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it. 
and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, first, a little bit about Sardis. I believe the next slide. Okay, so that's like a wide range map. If you notice the high-heeled boot, that's Italy on the left side. And then you can see places like Corinth. Oh, there was a letter written there. Thessalonica. Oh, Philippi, Athens, the places you know. There's Istanbul, which was once Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul. And then if you notice, there's a dot down uh, in the middle of the sea called Patmos. That's where John is as he's writing this. That's where he's exiled. And then if you look to the right, you will see kind of a circle of the churches. You have Ephesus, and then Pergamum, and then it comes down Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, uh, and uh, Laodicea in the, uh, I can't read it, Cappadocia. Go to the next one, please, Mr. Robinson. That's a more close-up picture to show you the circle of the seven churches that we're in. So remember, we started in Ephesus, we moved up to Smyrna, both port cities, then Pergamum, which is not a port city, city then over to Thyatira, and now we're down in Sardis, Okay. I'll try to put that in there next, the next few weeks as well, just to give us an idea. So that's where we are. You can leave that one up, Ian, if you want to. So uh, Sardis, as you can see, it's about 30 miles due south of Thyatira. It was the capital of an ancient civilization called Lydia, and it had a strong imperial cult pre presence. Now, we've talked about the imperial cult a few times. It's the worship of the emperor. And you might be like, why do we have so much of that surrounding us in this? Well, hopefully this puts it into perspective. It's not that wide a range for these churches. So it would have made sense that they're dealing with the same sorts of things in these different cities. All right, now let's talk about Sardis. So number two here, your first notes there, but... But you are dead. But you are dead. I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. There's going to be some stuff that I say in this sermon that you might go, man, that's harsh. Well, yes, it is. So let's talk about it. We all know churches and people that are like this, that if you hear their name, the general populace hears their name and they go, oh, wow, yeah, I know about them. But you went there, or, you, or, you've, or you've listened to their preaching, or this and that, and you go, wait a second, something's not quite right. You see, it's easy to fool people. It's exceedingly easy to fool people. We're all foolish, sorry to tell you. But every single one of us in this room, no matter how smart we are, can be fooled. We like to be fooled. I don't know about you, but I love magic. Like magicians, card tricks, all that kind of stuff. I love it. Their job is to fool me. And the better they are at it, the more I like it. We like to be fooled sometimes. But so here's this church in Sardis that is fooling the general populace into believing that, oh, they're on fire for God or they're doing so well. But Christ comes and he says, you might be able to fool people, but you can't fool me because I can see the heart and you're dead. The question that's not answered here, but the question I have is, were they ever even actually alive? Did they start out really well and fall apart? 
like Ephesus? Or did they ever start out well at all? And they just were playing at this church thing. We're going to talk about that at the end. Were they just playing the whole time at this church thing? And God says, I see, and you're dead. We talked last week about how God, he has a really, really long leash, but it does run out. And he's warning this church that it's running out. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. That says to me that whoever brought the gospel to this city preached the right stuff. They taught Christ. They taught the gospel. Because Christ says, listen, you heard it and you received it. Remember and go back to it. Turn around. Repenting, it should conjure up an image of turning a 180 and going the complete other direction. That's what Christ is saying. He says, listen, you heard it. You received it. You initially, the person that came or persons, they spoke truth to you. Now go back to it. Or else. Or else. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. I've mentioned before that Satan likes to put Christians to sleep. I didn't just come up with that. That's an image in scripture in a lot of places of people being asleep and needing to be woken up. And Satan's done a masterful job of this church in Sardis of putting them all to sleep. Well, maybe not all of them. Because number three here, have you soiled yourself? I need a show of hands. Have anybody soiled themselves right now? Because I'm starting to smell something. And, no, I'm just kidding. But you have a few people in Sardis, I'm in verse 4, who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. There are a few. Traditionally, a few is what? Three or more? I'm guessing there was more than three, that he's just conjuring up the idea of there's some. There's a little bit. There's this tiny sect of people in Sardis who don't have to be reminded because they're still there. Maybe they've been drowned out by the sound of the big church. Maybe they've been drowned out by the sounds of the culture around them, but they still hold to Christ. Think about this, right? Back then, as today, now we wear more white today than they did back then because we have better ways of cleaning things. But back then, if you had something white, it wasn't white for very long because of all the dust and the dirt, the poop. Well, let's be honest, not necessarily your own, but animals. Your stuff didn't stay white for long. It's why you dyed clothes. It's why purple was the royal color because purple didn't get dirty as easily. It's one of the reasons. There's more, but that's one of them. So your common person would have had white that turned tan, gray, brown, not because they were dyeing it, but because dust just happens. And Christ says, but hold on, because I have white garments that aren't soiled. I have white garments that remain white no matter what. And those few, those few, they get to put them on. When I come like a thief in the night, I'm going to take them and I'm going to clothe them in white. And they'll shine like the sun. Not because of them, but because of me. 
He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. Let's take a second and talk about that right there. Because it sounds like Jesus is saying, your name can be erased from the book of life. It can't. We've talked about that before. The book of life, right, is where your name is written when you accept Christ. This is not a threat. It's a promise. It's not a threat to the people who don't have their name. It's not a threat to these other people in, the, in, in Sardis who are going, who, who, who are not following after Christ. It's a promise to the people that are following him saying, listen, nothing will take this out. It was written in blood red ink. It can't be whited out. It can't be erased. It's there. There's nothing that removes it. Because the only person who might have the authority to remove it is, not might, but is Christ. And he's going, listen, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So this isn't a threat. It's a promise to these Christians that are there, that are struggling, that are fighting to share the hope and the name of Christ. And he says, listen, you're going to be clothed in white and your name is not erased. It's there. I wrote it myself and I was so happy when I did. So where are we going with all of this? You see, because in my personal opinion, the Bible doesn't say this, it's not a hill I'm willing to die on, but in my personal opinion, Sardis is the worst that we've seen so far. The worst church we've seen so far. Why? Because Sardis was known and people were listening to them and they were leading them astray. Maybe it was a prosperity gospel. I don't know. Maybe it was something like the Nicolaitans that we talked about for a few weeks ago. Maybe they were adopting certain things like the imperial cult into their stuff. We don't know exactly what they were doing, but they had influence in their community and they're speaking lies. You see, I think that Christ would rather have you have be wrong and no influence than be right, or than have a ton of influence and be wishy-washy. Because you, when you're wrong but don't have influence, well, we can help that. We can, we can fix that. If you're wishy-washy and you have a ton of influence, you're just leading everybody astray. I also think that the church of Sardis is a microcosm of Christianity throughout the ages. Not just today, not just 50 years ago, but throughout its 2,000 some odd year existence. I think Sardis shows us Christianity in a lot of ways. A good amount, I won't give a percentage on it. I have one in mind, but I won't give one. A good amount of Christians, over half, are wishy-washy. Are Christians who, they're in it for the fun of it. They're in it to play church. They're in it to walk in on a Sunday morning, give their tithe, sing a song, if they like the song, and leave. And from Sunday at 12 to the next Sunday at 9... You wouldn't even know. But here they come. They're coming on Sunday morning. Now, that's better than not coming at all because at least then you hear. But that's the way it is. So here's my question. Here's my question. Are you playing church or are you living it? Because here's the thing. It's a, this game, if we're going to go with the, the theme of a game, it's the most important game ever because it's a game of souls. Literally, people are on the line. And if we decide we're just playing church, then why are we even playing the game? 
You see, here's the thing. My brother, he's great. I'm not saying he's like this. But my brother has this idea. Oh, we play games to have fun. No, we play to win. Winning is fun. I have never once played a game not to win it. Now, that doesn't mean I win every time. But I've never once walked into a game and been like, second place, here we go. And I'm just as adamant about this game. I don't want second place because second place means people went to hell. I'm in it to win it. There have been times in my life when I wasn't. I can bet you there'll be times in my life when I'm not again because I'm not perfect. I can tell you already there have been Sunday mornings where I have rolled out of bed and gone, I don't want to do this today. But I do it. In fact, it was two weeks ago, I think it was. On a Saturday night, I texted either Maddie or my dad. I don't remember which one. We were talking and I went, I don't want to do church tomorrow morning. I'm just exhausted today, and I don't want to do it tomorrow. I did. It was great. I loved it. I've told people again and again, this from 9.30 to 10.30 is my favorite part of my, of my job. I love it. But I was exhausted, and I don't want to do this. And if I wasn't playing to win, I would have thrown in the towel that Sunday. Come, sang, preached, but not really giving it all I had. Are you giving it all you've got? Are you willing to be the people, that small sect, that get the white robes? That when you get to heaven, I hope when I get to heaven, I get to see a bunch of people, and I'll be like, I didn't even know that person. And God's like, yes, but you touched this person, who touched this person, who touched this person, who made it so they went to heaven because they, they, they did it. That's what I'm hoping for. I want to be, I used to want to be Billy Graham. That'd be cool. I love preaching. I want to be Billy Graham's Sunday school teacher that nobody knows the name of that led him to Christ when he was five years old. Because that person's reward was just as good as Billy Graham's in heaven. So that's my question to you guys. Do you want to play? Or do you want to win? Because there's a big difference. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you allow us to come to you, that you allow us to sing and praise, that we can come on a Sunday morning. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, Sunday morning's bad because it's not. I love it. But help us on a Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to live out for you in our jobs, in our homes, wherever we are at the grocery store, in our cars. Help us to live out for you because you're coming like a thief. and We don't know when. But I know I'm going with you. And I don't want to get to heaven and be heartbroken because I didn't do as much as I could. Help me to lead them. Help them to lead others. Help them to lead me at points. Father, we praise you. It's in the name of your son we pray. Amen. And amen.